You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the OKC82 Podcast, part of the Franchise Podcast Network. Brady Trantham here with Madison Morris over the Zoom machine. Um, in this time, in these trying times where people are worried about, you know, jobs, money, the economy. Uh, a few businesses have been just propped up by the current situation, Madison, uh, one of them being toilet paper. So if you have toilet right. paper stock going into the previous month, you're probably pretty happy. And Zoom, Zoom is like winning the pandemic right now because yeah. everybody's doing their podcasts, everybody's doing their their jobs from home, which is the smart thing over Zoom. So shout out to you, Zoom, for making our jobs a little bit easier, a little bit more fun. But Madison, how are you doing so far? Doing well. Um, I'm here in, at my house in Oklahoma City, and I've kind of gone a little bit back and forth from my parents' house to here in Oklahoma City, but obviously not going into work anymore, which is, you know, it's been different, but obviously for the best because we want to kickstart um, pretty much getting back to normal. So everything's been great. And I mean, yeah, Zoom has been awesome because social interaction is very important to me. And so now getting to do that um, via Zoom is a blessing in disguise. So it's awesome. Exactly. But we are actually joined by a very, very special guest today, a friend of the podcast because he's been on the podcast before, but now with his second time, I guess that makes you a best friend of the podcast, but it's uh, <laughs> everybody's favorite mayor of Oklahoma City, Mr. David Holt. Sir, welcome to the show once again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, Really, like right off the bat, I'm just kind of curious about this because I've been trying to like really pay attention to like certain political leaders, just anybody that's important that's giving press conferences or anything because we're all having to stay home. Businesses have like that aren't deemed essential have been shut down for the foreseeable future. One of them being, you know, barbershops, salons. And I'm just curious, do you have a plan, like no matter how long we get into this uh, quarantining thing, uh, do you have a plan for your hair? Because I'm just, I'm just one, I can just picture like Donald Trump not having, like I, Donald Trump would have like a barber in, in the White House, but like local leaders that just like, yeah, my hair's going to grow out because, you know, yeah. I can't go get it cut. <laughs> I feel like, so we're on video, as you pointed out, and I'm, so I can see you right now and I feel like I'm looking at my plan right now. <laughs> Is my, you are my future. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I, I'm so sorry. No, because, like <laughs> you know, like Madison and I, like normally during this time of the year, we'd be in the arena covering the thunder and doing some on-camera stuff so i typically shave and i can't rock a beard at all i can't rock long hair anyway but it's like there's i let me try it just to see where it takes me is basically my idea but well that no that part of my head will not grow i could never do what you have right there if i waited a, a month <laughs> fortunately i have the skills to shave myself but but uh no the hair uh i resigned myself when i when i closed salons a couple of weeks ago that uh uh, we were going to have uh, a situation like you have willingly em uh, embraced, uh, but in my case, by force. So I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it as a new adventure. Good to go. Madison, Madison, uh, obviously, you complained about, you've complained to me about your nails and that yes. your hair is going to get longer. Typical female but, things. But, you know, you still, you still look like a hundred uh, million bucks. So I uh, almost said a hundred bucks, but you look like a million bucks. But uh, go you. ahead, go ahead and start off. I'm really podcast. glad to finally be in the middle of this Sam and Diane <laughs> thing you guys have going on here. Oh, heck yeah. Welcome in. It's a good time. <laughs> it works. It works. It, it does work. Podcast well, dynamic. Um, I kind of had a question myself for you, Mayor Holt, and it was just something that I was talking about with a few of my friends. And um, obviously, I've been talking with Brady about it as we prepared for this podcast. But 
with everything that comes in and how quickly everything changes um, with the situation that's going on, just what, it, what are your steps to relaying the message out to people and kind of uh, condensing it to where it's not set in like a panic tone or anything like that, but kind of take us through your steps of just getting all of this information out to the public and what you think is best for everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. We Sorry, I'm changing, uh, I'm changing this. This is all part of our new normal is uh, we can't, we've got to move around our homes to uh, keep up with. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thankful the dogs haven't barked downstairs just yet. <laughs> okay, so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, obviously what's been really interesting in this whole scenario is that so much of it is, is really mass psychology and, um, and, and, and addressing, you know, how do you, how do you communicate to people in a way that will, will get the message across effectively? I mean, we're all sort of, uh, to, to draw a sports analogy, we're all, we're all sort of head coaches now trying to find the right buttons to push and motivate our, our residents, much like a coach motivates his players. Um, because we're in a free society. I mean, it's, it's reported that the mayor has ordered this and the governor has ordered that. Um, but reality, you know, is that we don't have armies to, to enforce these orders. You know, we, we have to find some level of self-motivation. I mean, maybe early on when we were closing things like bars and restaurants, we could, um, you know, enforce those things, uh, those business closures. But, you know, when it reached the level of the individual, which is really what you're at when you're talking about shelter in place, you know, I don't have 650,000 police officers to regulate the behavior of 650,000 residents. So, um, you know, it really becomes an issue of trying to communicate that in a way that they can understand and, and accept and agree with, um, and that every individual in our city can see the need to do this, you know, if, if for no other reason than their own self-preservation. So um, that's been, you know, obviously part of the challenge and, um, and trying to communicate um, with the people of Oklahoma City. Um, by the way, how loud are my kids right now? Because I feel like I can barely hear myself talk. Oh, they, they can get louder if they want. They so can, <laughs> they're now friends of the podcast as well. Welcome. Whether they like it or not. Um, but you mentioned not, you know, I mean, in finding the right balance, but I do want people to have a healthy dose of fear. You know, you mentioned panic. I mean, I don't want to use the word panic, but I don't also want, I, I, they can't be complacent either. I mean, this is a very serious issue. So I have to share the data and I, I'm not going to gloss over it, you know, um, but it's a, uh, you know, it, it, but I, but it, yeah, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but, but a lot of it is pretty gloomy. So, I mean, it is what it is and people have to take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, healthy concern is important. It's just to be knowledgeable about what you can and can't do, what you are required to do, what you're encouraged to do, what's the smart thing to do. I mean, those are all important and I completely understand. I unfortunately had to do the post game show after the thunder and the jazz game that never happened. And I was pretty freaked out, but I, I understood I can't be freaked out on the radio. I can't like help to incite a, a panic or, or any type, but with all that, like what, inspiration do you kind of cling on to or what what best case scenario like basically it took me like a few days to kind of get used to the new normal that is right now and just like everybody else I'm still concerned I'm still like a little fearful of what could happen what can't happen but what I what keeps me going every day is just understanding that this is going to end at some point you know we're like science is going to catch up to it um immunity whatever like whatever happens it will happen and we'll be able to return back to normal at some point in the next few months or in the next year it's going to end but for you personally like what is giving you hope that 
although everything I have to say pretty much every day is doom and gloom and increased numbers, but at the same time, there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think the 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 upside right now, uh, I think about, as you said, the, the reality that this will end at some point. Um, there is another chapter on the other side of this one. Um, and the return to normalcy may be staggered. It may not be all at once. Um, and unfortunately, things like large public gatherings will probably be the last, um, you know, uh, milestone that we cross. And so when you think how that affects sports, you know, I mean, that's going to be really interesting. I, I think uh, sporting events will have a choice to make probably sooner rather than later about whether they try to, to do um, their events without fans. You know, I mean, I, I think that's because I think those types of the idea of, of putting 20,000 people or 80,000 people together um anytime soon that feels very distant um but but you know there might be some calculated risks in the shorter term as we get things a little more under control um and so that'll be interesting but um but yes you know i i think about to stay optimistic i think about the fact that regardless um we will eventually return to total normalcy might be months might be a year um depending on the function um, but also, you know, there's some upside in the life we're having right now. And I'm trying, you know, I think we all try to find um, the, uh, uh, the, the silver linings in, in some of these scenarios. Um, uh, again, you might be able to hear them right now, but I'm spending, you know, all day, every day with my whole family. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's kind of a wonderful thing. We're watching family movies every night. We never did that. You know? We're taking <laughs> walks every night. We're, we never did that, you know. I mean, so um, I think that's um, that's a silver lining here. That's that's not gonna that's not a upside for everybody for any number of different reasons. But um, for a lot of folks, that has been a new element of this. That's actually been kind of welcome and sort of the slowing down of of the pace of things and and reconnecting with our families. Um, so, you know, those are some of the upsides um, and, and some of the things we can look forward to. I would also point out on the, on the bright side of things, at least locally, um, what we have done with our social distancing in Oklahoma City um, and, um, uh, and aggressively and early has clearly made a difference. Um, if you look at the per capita deaths in places like New Orleans, Seattle, New York, um, it's, it's many, many times what we have here in Oklahoma City. And so though I have learned that COVID gets you anyway, I mean, we, we, have, we have had dozens of deaths, we have hundreds of cases, um, despite our best efforts, um, it's, it's a matter of degrees. And our, our experience so far is much better than some other places around the United States. And it's not because we have a different strain of it here. I mean, it's the same virus. We've just been very aggressive about social distancing and we did it very early. Um, you know, and not because we're smarter than everybody else, but because we had the experience they didn't have. We saw what was happening in other cities by the time it got here, because it got here a little later than other places. Um, we acted really, really fast. You know, on the, on the day that we had our very first case of local spread is when we declared an emergency and we were closing bars and restaurants 48 hours later. So those types of actions were not done that swiftly in other places simply because they just hadn't fully, you know, faced the reality of it yet. And we had the, we had the knowledge they didn't have. So I'm hopeful that um, we'll come out of this with uh, less of a loss of life than, than other places. Um, and we will eventually return um, to to uh, normalcy, 
Although I still suspect there may even, there may be a slight new normal, even after everything is deemed safe again. Uh, I intend to have fewer meetings and fewer handshakes in the future. <laughs> Everybody's uh, going to still have dry hands from washing their hands yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah, I've, I feel like there's so many things that we can all take um, from this quarantine right now. It's just kind of what you were just talking about, David, with the new normalcy. Mm -hmm. I know that for me, I've been more conscious about you know, what I'm touching throughout the day and making sure that I keep up with hygiene a lot better. I make sure that I, you know, am washing my sheets, washing my clothes, just like keeping everything a little bit more safe. And I think that's something that we can all take on uh, even after all of this thing uh, dies down a little bit. And so, you know, it's kind of cool to think about all the things that are going to come from this because once we do get the green light eventually and things kind of, you know, shape back into a normal everyday life, it's a, uh, it's kind of something you can take from all this and just put it into what you're doing now and it can, you know, increase responsibility or increase health and everything like that. But also I was going to transition. I'm sure that you have talked about this night multiple times, but I'm so excited to hear about it. Like here on the OKC 82 podcast, just going back to March 11th yeah. and everything that happened with that game and how it was just so like, is this seriously happening here in Oklahoma city in front of our very eyes? That just, it still mind boggles me every time I think about it. Um, but what were the next 48 hours for you like that? Or for you yeah. after all of that happened? Just because everything's moving so fast. People are demanding information. People are so confused and kind of, uh, like I was confused. The, that and so what was that like for you? That three-hour window was so surreal because not only did the whole Thunder thing happen and then we got like news that Rudy Gobert had tested positive, but mm -hmm. also Tom Hanks had tested positive and his wife, Rita Wilson. It's like, what is going on? You're like, not <laughs> Tom Hanks. So if you want to get Americans' attention, take away their sports and infect Tom and Hanks. And, and thankfully, <laughs> they, they, they recovered and are fine now. But that was just – I don't think nothing's ever going to top that. It was wild. Right. If you had wanted to, you know, have COVID-19 um, affect the psyche of the United States and certainly Oklahoma City, you would not have picked a, a, a more dramatic scenario. I mean, I often think if Rudy Gobert's test results had come back at 6 p.m. or 8 p.m., you know, it would have been a totally different story. I mean, it, it, but for them to come back right at the moment of tip-off and therefore put um, everybody into this, you know, kind of frozen situation where the decision was being made in real time in front of not just 18,000, but millions of people. Um, it, it did force the whole country and certainly Oklahoma City to focus on, on the issue. Um, you know, I was at home. I, I wasn't planning to attend that game. And so I had uh, put on my PJs and uh, we were starting to, you know, sit down and watch the game. And then obviously all this happened, um, you know, by eight, if I recall, you know, eight, eight thirty, um, just my phone was just blowing up with so many different issues. You know, what was, um, you know, concerns about what was happening over at 21C. So that's where Rudy Gobert was staying and where um, the, the team had stayed and he was still there and they were kind of, you know, freaking out. They didn't know what to do. It wasn't like uh, a SWAT team of health officials lands there, you know, it, from a public health perspective, he was in his room and that was a stable situation, but that didn't feel very stable to 21C, you know, so they and their guests were flipping out. You know, I was getting calls from the governor's office who was getting calls from the Utah governor's office. I was getting calls from 
um, Senator Inhofe's office, who was getting calls from Mitt Romney's office, you know, and wow. so on and so on. So all these Utah entities were trying to help and trying to parachute in. So I finally left my house. I got dressed again. I went to the county health department um, and settled in there with a bunch of their leadership. Uh, all of our city management leadership was over at City Hall, and we were linked on a phone call. And we just ended up dealing and working through random issues for the next three or four hours, really until I didn't get home until I think one o'clock that night. Uh, I mean, at one point, I was I was even uh, waking up the head of our convention and visitors bureau so he could he could in turn wake up and try to find a hotel for the jazz because they needed 50 rooms. They had checked out of uh, the 21C and there wasn't any room for him at the end. So, um, so he was working on getting them rooms and I was back relaying all that information to the NBA league office, which had called me about that specific situation. So all of that, you know, sort of resolved itself by the morning. The jazz finally flew out of town. Rudy Gobert left at some point. I don't even know exactly how or when he left, but he was some, at some point extricated. And as you know, what then occurred was sort of a cascade of cancellations across the city and, and across the United States, but certainly in Oklahoma City, everybody was canceling everything. But it was an interesting um, disconnect because Rudy Gobert wasn't really our first case. You know, that was ultimately history will, you know, health history will record that as a Utah case. And so we didn't actually have COVID-19 in our community yet. Um, even though it had sort of been thrust into our faces, it really wasn't um, a, a local public health situation yet. And so we were caught in a weird place. Um, it wasn't until Friday night that we got our first actual confirmed local, or, or I should say our first confirmed case. However, the person had caught it um, while traveling and that gets treated a little differently by public health officials as well. And so it wasn't actually until finally on Sunday, uh, the 15th, that we finally had a case that someone had caught it locally. And that's really the trigger um, for CDC guidelines and, and for public health officials to, to act. And so that was the day we declared an emergency. And on Tuesday, we started closing things. And then that's sort of the, the whole per, uh, process we were engaged in for the next few weeks. Um, but it, it definitely all started in many ways on the night of the Thunder game. And that was certainly a, a historic and dramatic moment um, in, this, in the COVID-19 story and in our city's history. This franchise has been through so much. All they need to do is win a title. And they've probably been through about everything that you could possibly experience as a fan. <laughs> so, um, But really quick, sir, before we get uh, to some Thunder topics, I did want to ask you about something a little bit off topic. But because uh, we're coming up on the 20th. 25th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing memorial and uh, unfortunately it's right in the middle of all this so we're not going to be able to um, uh, commemorate it in the way that we classically would do it uh, the marathon of course was pushed back till October um, I, like going through the process of how to properly commemorate this while understanding that well you can't have crowds come to the museum you can't like do a classic press conference like what are some plans for you uh, now that you've had to pivot with uh, social distancing moving forward with the Oklahoma City bombing memorial? Well, we certainly had very big plans, um, you know, in place to to honor the 25th anniversary and, and to honor the those who were lost and the survivors and, and our the people who came to our rescue and, and all the people that were changed forever. Um, and as you said, all of that is basically being um, re redirected, you know, and so 
the memorial's doing a great job. They're putting together um, a video program that will air at 9 a.m. Uh, on April 19th um, locally. And um, I actually already taped my speech for that um, a few days ago, last weekend. Um, and so, you know, they're doing the best they can. It'll be a great program. Will the nation's eyes turn to Oklahoma City that morning as they would have otherwise? Perhaps not. I mean, everybody is very distracted by COVID-19, um, you know, and we, we had every expectation of having former presidents and, and Kristen Chenoweth was going to sing the, the national anthem and uh, Bishop Curry, who gave the sermon at Harry and Meghan's wedding, was going to be here, you know, giving the invocation. I mean, we had, uh, you know, a, a first class um, commemoration planned and and all of that obviously has changed but um, you know it's still really important to our community and it's obviously we'll do everything we can uh, from a distance to to commemorate the anniversary and and also really try to um, you know remind people why it matters moving forward um, you guys are pretty young so I mean I recognize that 25 years ago um, um, you know your memories are, are limited. Um, and that's a, that's a reminder that as we hit the 25th anniversary, it really changes from experience to into a historical event. Um, and so if it's going to be a historical event, what is it that we take away from it moving forward? And for me, it's always been um, the fact that, that, you know, political violence is never the answer, that dehumanization is something we must guard against. Um, you know, for someone to blow up an office building full of civilians and children, um, you know, requires uh, a lot of, of dehumanization, a lot of disconnect from reality, a lot of, um, a lot of effort uh, mentally to, to cast the people who work in that building as being different from me somehow. And, and what I fear uh, is that all too often in our current political discourse, I hear that same, that same language and that same vitriol and this whole idea that, that you know, some, some group is the enemy of the people, you know, and that type of um, dehumanizing language is what ultimately causes these acts of violence. And so that's, to me, the, the long-term eternal takeaway from events like the Oklahoma City bombing. And so I really think it and, and the site and the people of Oklahoma City all have to stand um, for a better discourse, a better way to have conversations. And, and I think we should be the the, the wise old people in the United States or in the world who, who have lived and seen um, what happens when we lose empathy and we lose uh, understanding with each other and uh, that we should be the first to speak up. And, and so that's certainly, uh, I'm giving you a bit of a preview probably of my speech uh, that you'll see on April 19th, but that's what I see is, as the legacy of Oklahoma City bombing that we need to carry forward and that we're obligated to do so as people who have lived here at any time in the last 25 years. Yeah, no, for sure. And shout out to Oklahoma City for still doing some pretty good stuff, even amid all the COVID-19 stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously the bombing that happened here, that's, that's something that everyone that has been in Oklahoma their whole lives, or even people who do come into Oklahoma, it's something that people hold very special. I personally wasn't even born yet, but I've been in Oklahoma my whole life. And so, you know, obviously I live here in Oklahoma City. That's mm -hmm. very important. And so it's going to be kind of a nice shift to say like, hey, 
we have something that happened here many years ago. It's 25th anniversary. So we can maybe take our minds off of that for a day. I'm really looking forward to that. So I think that mm. will be fabulous. So um, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, kind of switch gears into this Thunder season. Happy thoughts. Yeah. Happy thoughts. <laughs> and so even with um, kind of what's going to happen with the NBA, is it going to start back up? Are they going to do anything? Is the season just going to be canned? I think that's all up in the air. And so in your personal thoughts just what do you think about the fact that this Thunder team I don't think people had as high of expectations for them just because there's no Russell Westbrook and everyone was a little you know timid to think what was going to happen very hesitant reluctant about what they could do now they're not or they possibly won't get the kind of ending that people were looking forward to because they were a fun team after all Mm. and so just what what do you think about you know the fact that this team not going to get the kind of ending that people were probably hoping to see but they still have a little bit of a legacy that happened here just being, you know, such a good team after all. Yeah. Well, the game that never was, was a critical game. As you know, it would have uh, a victory that night would have, I believe propelled us in the fourth. Is that right? Yeah. The fourth C with uh, 16 games left at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had a, I had a, whether we won that or not, I, I was pretty well convinced we were on a pace um, that would have taken us into the fourth seed, which yeah just blew away expectations for where this season was going to be. And uh, I was very anxious, yeah, to see the playoffs and uh, which would have been starting, you know, right about this week or so, I guess, and or maybe next week. And, um, and I think that uh, we had a real, real good chance at a first round victory, which would have been our first in in four years. Um, And then, you know, then we would have had to face either the Clippers or the Lakers. And obviously the odds would have been stacked against us, but it would have been, I think it would have been a, a good series. Um, so yeah, this was a fun team, probably one of the uh, funnest teams that we've had. I, I think the fans were really loving uh, what they were seeing and the low expectations helped, but just the way they played was uh, was a lot of fun to watch and all the crazy comebacks that they'd had. I mean, just kind of record setting. So um, I'll have fond memories for this team, you know, regardless of what um, what lies ahead. I am confident. I mean, nobody is more innovative uh, and more thoughtful and more decisive in their actions than the NBA. I'm confident they've got a team of experts who who gather on a Zoom just like this one and and game plan, you know, all kinds of scenarios. Um, but just looking at it from a public health perspective, um, as I alluded to earlier, I mean, the probably the last thing that's going to get ratcheted down as we try to return to normal is going to be massive, you know, gatherings of people. Um, And so even if in a few weeks we're at a position where we've passed the peak uh, and we've got enough testing in place to where we can be more targeted in our restrictions, it's hard to imagine 18,000 people going to the Chesapeake arena and then that, you know, anytime soon. Uh, I mean, I think you're seeing college football, you know, decision makers having some really hard conversations right now because they can see how unlikely that is even in August, you know. So mm-hmm. um, having said that, I don't know that that means there's there's not a room for some sort of version of the NBA. It's just maybe one that doesn't have fans, you know, and I don't I don't know, you know, whether the NBA wants to try that or not. Um, you know, you could imagine a world where they get a they, they test all the players, they get a baseline 
and then they basically quarantine them (laughs) (laughs) and they just play in an empty gym, you know, and they play out, you know, some version of the season, whether it's probably not all the games that were left, but maybe they go right into the playoffs or something, you know? Um, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, and I'm not, that's not inside information. I can just see, you know, what has to be one of the scenarios out there and that's an option, you know, I mean, I I could see that being an option. Um, We're all desperate for, I mean, look, you know, we're all desperate for entertainment. I mean, you see what Tiger King took over the country, you know, I mean, (laughs) I I think, uh, I think an NBA game, you know, would, would probably pull a lot of viewers in, but um, you know, it's just a, it's just a, probably a question of how to, how to structure that, Um, you know, whether the, the players are willing to quarantine themselves to the extent necessary um, to do it um, and have it be considered safe for, for the players. Um, you know, so many questions um, that would, that I'm sure the NBA will, will figure out, but I expect them to be a trendsetter for all of uh, professional sports. Cause I think they always are. I mean, I just, I, I think that commissioner silver and his team deserve a lot of credit for acting decisively on the night of March 11th and, mm-hmm. and set a tone, not just for their league or for professional sports, but really for the whole country. So um, you know, I have a lot of confidence they'll do the right thing at the right time. Right now in Oklahoma City, we're right in the middle of this. So, I mean, all of that is very theoretical. I mean, we're we're not over the peak by any means. Unfortunately, we had our, our largest death toll yesterday. We'll have our largest, one of our largest um, uh, confirmation of cases today. I mean, so we're right in the middle of it. And it's all very hard to imagine. Um, but I do know there will be a return to some level of normalcy at some point. And I'd love... As a fan, sure, I'd love to see some creative conclusion to this season in June or July or August that maybe doesn't involve fans if if that doesn't feel safe. But so, I mean, I'm fine with whatever version they come up with. But I also understand if they feel like it's just it's just too hard and they they move on and, and, and call it done for this season. But um, but again, I have a lot of confidence that they'll figure out the best path possible. I. I, uh, I really think a lot of Commissioner Silver and, and his leadership of the league. So I'll, I'll live with whatever they decide. Yeah, yeah, we're all starved for entertainment just because, like, I'm excited as heck for the uh, horse competition that's going to air on Sunday. Yeah. It's, it's going to be one of those things where I'm probably excited for it and then watch it for a few minutes and go, oh, yeah, it's just guys playing horse. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? We're going to cover it regardless because you, I have you, some, we have something to do. Have you listened NBA.fm? Have you found that? Uh-uh, I haven't. Okay, so at NBA.fm, you can listen in real time uh, to the game radio broadcast as if it were happening. And there was a Thunder Lakers game earlier this week, and we got killed. But uh, <laughs> but but it's bizarre. There, I don't understand exactly what they – I mean, they've simulated the game, but then they have a guy – and a color color guy too, and they they call the game as if it, it takes two hours. I mean, it's a whole thing, and uh, they just kind of cut the you know they cut the halftime short. But uh, it's like a it's like a totally simulated radio broadcast of a game that was supposed to happen at this time. Yeah, uh, in the NBA regular season, you might check it out. That would be that would be a great idea if they instead of using like professional play by play commentators, just get like uh, Kenny, Shaq, Charles Barkley. Uh, Ernie, just had them watching it and just let Chuck say whatever he wants. That would be that would be <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but I guess you know, with the season being in limbo right now, whether or not it's going to be um, be able to return in some way, shape, or form, or if it's going to be canceled, 
you know, certain people are kind of also left in limbo with contracts. And one of them being very important for the Thunder, Billy Donovan. He was in the final year of his uh, contract. Um, A lot of speculation as to whether or not the Thunder were going to move forward with him. Although Madison and I are pretty much on the same wavelength. And I think a lot of Thunder fans are probably on the same wavelength as well. And I just want to get your opinion on it. Um, I think Billy Donovan has done enough, not just this season, but over the last few seasons to uh, basically earn that ex- those extra years on, his, on a new deal. And I'm basically of the opinion that unless Billy Donovan himself wants to just simply do something else, I'm pretty much assuming he's going to be the coach of the Thunder moving forward. But how do you feel about the job he did this season? And are you on that same wavelength as well? Well, you know, first of all, in Sam, I trust, but um, so I'm, I live with any outcome, but um, obviously Billy Donovan was on, on most people's coach of the year shortlist uh, this season for what the Thunder surprisingly did. So, you know, I, yeah, I've got no qualms if, if uh, he's brought back, I, I, he's, he's been great. You know, I mean, I think he's, um, made the best of every situation he's been given and he's been given a lot of different situations in a relatively short span of time. Yeah. And it's just, it's just going to be interesting because like, when does the off season begin? Obviously that's going to be a decision that's going to be made on a certain date where the NBA just understands, okay, we, we can't do anything that we want to do. We're going to have to scrap the season. When does the draft happen? It's just, everything's kind of in like, just in limbo, like I said, but I don't know. It's Madison. Like we've only been doing this job for a few years and we're now doing something that's incredibly unprecedented because sports have been canceled before world war one, world war two, but there were still sports going on for journalists to cover at the time um, in some way, shape or form. And now there's nothing to like, there's nothing to cover. And that's why we're excited for a horse competition on Sunday. I'm very excited for the horse competition on Sunday. We were talking about that a little bit on Dylan and Todd's show this morning and just whether or not we were going to tune in and watch it because I personally didn't watch the 2K competition that went on, uh, mainly because my knowledge of video games is below, <laughs> you know, very, very far down. But I'm actually excited for it just because, and feel free to comment on this either of y'all, but just having sports back on and having something related to it, I think it will very much so help people kind of feel like normalcy is coming and they can have that excitement of sports back on their television, even if it's just Trey Young shooting crazy shots and hoping that someone can either, you know, match them or do something even better. And so I'm personally very excited for it. I think it will be um, just like the first step into getting sports back whenever that time may be. And I know that it's so important to be patient with all of this coming back. And so, yeah, personally, I'm excited to watch horse and I think that it'll be fun to you know, take those baby steps back into seeing sports live in action on television. Who you got, Chris Paul or Trey Young? Me? The horse comp? Me or her? Or both? Both. both. <laughs> Go ahead, David. Well, I mean, Trey Young's obviously uh, – I'll take Chris Paul as a point guard any day of the week, but in a horse competition, <laughs> I'd probably have to take Trey Young. I'm going to have to agree with that. Um, I definitely pick Trey Young. I think he is crafty. I think he's young. I think that he has – just the crazy weird ability to make pretty much anything he launches up go in. And so I'm definitely taking Trey Young to win this whole thing. <laughs> Let's hope he just uh, performs better than he did in the three-point competition, but that's another story. But uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, you've been so gracious with your time with us, and we appreciate that. But really quick before I, I, I let you go, uh, because I think we're all kind of, like you said, like, wow, I've, I've not been this close to my family like this in this this much, like ever, like 
family nights, movie nights, whatever. Uh, but is there something that you've like now that you have a little bit more time at home than you would have otherwise, are there like any things that you're trying to learn, like maybe like an instrument or, Hey, I've always wanted to learn German. So let me just try to <laughs> learn German. Like, is, is there anything keeping you at home that you're like, okay, I've always wanted to do this. Now I have no excuse. Well, unfortunately, you know, just cause I'm home, I've still been pretty busy with, uh, mayor stuff, you know, and, and so, no, I haven't been able to pick up any new hobbies, but I will say again, you know, that the, the family walks and the family movie nights, I, I, of late, I've been able to, you know, finally shut it down at some point, you know, six or seven o'clock and, and those have been great. So, um, but no, I would love to, you know, write the great American novel with this, with this time in our lives, but unfortunately <laughs> I've been pretty swamped. You would think that canceling all my appointments would mean something in, on, on terms of saving time, but it's been completely filled with just a never-ending stream of phone calls and Zoom calls related to COVID-19. So um, no, I haven't, I haven't learned German or any other, anything else, <laughs> but, but, but I, have, I have revisited some, you know, 1990s summer blockbusters with our kids. So that's cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> That'll work. But yeah, you're, you're obviously you're in high demand. Um, and so we thank you once again for jumping on the OKC82 podcast. Uh, I can probably speak for Madison as well. Your leadership has been unparalleled. Uh, like, I appreciate it. Even going back to March 11th when I was pretty scared about everything, just seeing your uh, tweets, your Instagram posts, it made me feel a little bit like more optimistic and more safe. So uh, I just, you know, I wanted to thank you for that as well. Well, that's, that's very kind. We, we, I try to communicate at least via social media every day. So people know that we're on top of it and we're, we're aware of it and, and we're trying to get back to normal, normal life as quickly as possible. And then try to do the press conferences at least once a week for the same purpose. But I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we could bring you a modicum of comfort in these extraordinary times. Well, Mr. Mayor, thank you. Thank you so much for jumping on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. Uh, hang in there and be well. Awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye.